You're listening to Empath at Work. Come share this space with us as we explore how we harness empathy in life and at work. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have a special guest with us, Apwada, who is a recruiting lead in the tech industry, here to talk all things resumes and getting hired for the job that you want. Um, I am super excited for this episode. I know this is a part of life where I certainly have a lot of anxiety when going into it and feel like my whole life needs to be on a piece of paper and, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So with that said, I'm super excited with us so that we can dig into some of the best practices and ways to think about it differently so that maybe I can sleep a little bit better if and when I ever enter the job search again. Um, But without further ado, uh, Apata, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Um, Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. And before we get into talking all things applications and jobs and resumes, let's start with our Ew. Ew. When when in the last week or two have you used empathy as an opportunity um, or a skill in your life? Hmm. So I think it's something I, I do on a regular basis, but the, the most often memorable incident or situation that's happened recently was when I, I had kind of a reasonably high expectation of mm-hmm. someone. Um, and I was maybe a little impatient to get the results that I wanted. And as part of my regular check-in, this person opened up to me uh, that they were really struggling with family and, and kids and you know spousal issues. Um, and that has really put them in a point where it's harder to pay attention at work. They struggle to stay focused and all of that. Um, and this, you know, I wouldn't go into the actual details, but the details were com- like very touching for me at least. Like, I, I'm, I try not to cry, but I could, I could really just see myself holding back the tears because I, I, for that moment, I was in that person's shoes, although I, you know, I can only imagine what it felt like, but there was a lot of tension there. There was a lot of emotions in that moment. And um, my approach really was just to pause and give them the time and space they need to really express themselves without interfering as much. I just have them um, acknowledge the person's feeling. And I have been in not a similar situation per se, but I know someone who has been in a similar situation that is very close to me. And I was able to sort of validate that feeling with the experience I've had with someone else. And I think that was like a bonding moment for, for both of us. Um, so overall, I I felt really moved. It was a tough space. And just thinking about it right now as I'm talking, I could relieve the moment for me. And you know, it, it made me pause and think about, you know, work and life and how we need mm-hmm. to maybe be a little um, forgiving, patient mm-hmm. with others because you know, people come to work every day, but underneath the smile is the real human, right? Um, and just acknowledging that in everything we do, um, it's it's very important to me. And for this individual, I basically had to provide all the resources I know the company offers to people in that situation. Um, also gave them um, 
an option to continue talking to me about it or if they want to talk to someone else who was in a similar situation, I was willing to make an introduction. So that's an example of when I had really connected with someone and, and felt that empathy and was able to, um, I would say, move the needle um, between both of us. That's a great example. And I think it's it's kind of the punchline of why we started this podcast, right, is that we think there's a need to be able to be your true self and to hold space for one another and to invite us to kind of share what's below the surface so that it can feel a little bit less hidden and a little bit more a part of who we are and how we're experiencing life. Um, so your your coworker, your friend is really lucky to have you. It sounds like they they needed it and you were able to provide that safe space for them. So that's that's great. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking, so the, this probably the, since we've actually started the podcast, we've talked quite a bit about the workspace. We've talked about culture. We've talked about leadership and we've also talked about when to bet on yourself and when to think about looking for a new job and how to think about looking for a new career. But we've never really tackled some of the tactics of that, of how do you put together your resume? How do you stand out in the job market? And when people may have bosses that are not as great as you and are not, are maybe in more like toxic work environments, right? And are trying to look at their next opportunity or, you know, maybe are just looking for a new place to grow or a new experience. We wanted to pick your brain as somebody who is constantly in this recruiting space and understand what should people that are currently in the market or considering to look for a new job, what should they be doing from their resume to being able to stand out to their candidates? So our first kind of question for you is what are the most important things a candidate should focus on when applying for jobs and how can they really stand out? Yeah, this is a very, very loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah, peel, let's I, I peel it apart. Multiple, yeah. In multiple directions about it. And it, it's also a, depending on the industry you are in, there's mm. sets of approach, approach you would take. And if you're not in that industry, oh, you know, different approach. Uh, a very basic, let, let me eliminate the very rigid industry, which is if sure. you're trying to get like a federal job, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, they have a, a particular format on their resume. You just have to stick with it and apply and cross your fingers, right? That's really, <laughs> that's really the best thing in, in the federal space, right? Well, in, in, for folks who are interested in tech, because that's what I know, um, the most have been in the space for quite a while. Um, for tech, I think the your resume is less important in tech what is in my opinion more important is the relationships you've built over time mm -hmm. as even before you start your job search you're really in the market every single communication you have with someone interaction at the beer parlor or somewhere it is an inter it's it's a it's a touch point to get you that next role. So mm -hmm. what, I, what I'm saying in essence is network, 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 because mm -hmm. that is the, the, the most effective way I've seen people move around a lot and applying. To, to give you a, a simple statistic, uh, the fan companies, you know, Google, other companies would probably receive around 30 million applications per year. Oh my gosh. That wow. is a ridiculously large amount. And I know this because I, you know, on the back end, you see all of this, right? Yes. That's a very, very, very large number. It's so difficult to 
expect that there are no other, you know, someone that else like you that that's, you know, someone else could do the job if you're not there, right? So mm-hmm. the competition is really high. That's why leaning into your networks is would be my my first my first um, recommendation. And you can search on on LinkedIn and say, you know peers from school and you see a list of people who you've worked with, begin to build relationships with them in advance of when you need to make that move. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, I want to change the job now. I'm going to pay yeah. someone, you know, for the first time in six years, <laughs> right? Yeah. What a really good way to, to network, but um, building that relationship. So if we come back to resumes, uh, I think less is always more in a resume. Yeah. Uh, I can stress the value of having a very brief resume. I've, I've read resumes for, for a living for a long time, and I'll see resumes as long as 20, 26 pages, 30 <gasps> resumes. Wow. Right? What? Um, yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. That's stressful. That's yeah, so that many is, words. That is so many words. And trust me, I don't read it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just scroll through it and it's like, come on, this is, 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 is it's not ending. Just keep, 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 keep going. So less oh is more. Some people would say one page, one page is great, but if you keep it at two pages, that's still fine. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you have a very dynamic background that you can't really capture everything in one page. I'm not a like advocate of you must one page, but two pages is fine, depending on your background. If you're in research, then a four-page, five-page, six-page resume is okay, because then you're listing all of your publications and maybe mm. appearance on podcasts. So there's a reason to have a lengthy resume in that case, depending on your background. Another common question I get is, do I need a, a cover letter? I haven't read a cover letter in Donkey. People read it. <laughs> oh, I well, knew it. Yeah, what, what, what I... What I recommend in place of a cover letter is having a very short, maybe one or two sentence um, summary at the top of your resume that just speaks to the heart of who you are, you know, what you do, and, and more importantly, what you're looking to do next. Like, what are you searching mm-hmm. for, right? Um, it could literally be one, two sentences that just boom, boom, you know, <laughs> to, to the point. So I'd really encourage folks to do that to stand out. And then LinkedIn is also a very powerful tool. I touched on it a little bit earlier, but you know, ensure that your LinkedIn profile is up to date if you if you want to use that approach, that that avenue. Um, there's a lot of people you can connect to on LinkedIn. Um, you reach out to them, reach out to recruiters directly. Applying alone wouldn't cut it. Right? You need to apply and then pursue. I'll put it that way. Okay, apply and pursue. And that could be searching for, let's say you're applying to Amazon, recruiters at Amazon, and you ping that you think could be relevant to the role you're applying to. Say, hey, yeah, my name is Amanda. I reached, I applied for a role here, and I was wondering if you'd you know, have a moment to chat. Just extra mm-hmm. visibility um, could just be the reminder to the recruiter to, hey, go check that I applied, and they can you know reach out to you. Reaching out to hiring managers as well is important. Let's say you're a software engineer and you find like a software engineering manager at Apple. You, you ping them and say, hey, my name is Cheyenne. I've been, you know, open to opportunities. Here's my resume. If you have openings on your on your role, on your team, please reach out to me. I'm happy to chat. You know, the more you put yourself out there, the more visibility you get, the likely, the, the higher the chance of you getting some response from someone. Um, so those are a few things I, I think you could do to stand out, really. Yeah. Um, That's... That's really interesting because I think that's a that's a good perspective because 
I feel like a lot of people spend so much time on their resume or cover letters, personalizing it mm -hmm. to each job they're applying for where, and tell me if this is wrong or right, because you're the <laughs> expert here, where they should be focused on, you know, having a solid resume that reflects their skills. That's not too long. And that has that mm -hmm. personal statement, but then really focusing on kind of that next step of seeing what your network can, how your network can help you, and then seeing who you should be kind of targeting through LinkedIn messages or whatever channels you have to be yeah. able to get more noticed on the job. Mm -hmm. Is that what I'm hearing? That's exactly what you're hearing. Yeah. <laughs> and that really surprised me because I always thought it was a bit taboo to like reach out to the hiring manager and go like, hey, hi, yeah, uh, I just applied for the role. Like I always thought it was, yeah, like you shouldn't be doing that. So yeah, that's super surprising to know. Yeah, so here's, here's why it's not a, a taboo per se, because the volume is high. Um, mm -hmm. It's tough to find good talent in tech. If you can put yourself in front of other people, they have a good chance of reviewing you, you know, on the spot there. If you get a response, great. If you don't get a response, that, that you know, then you know that perhaps that's not the right fit. But I, I feel personally, it really helps. Um, it doesn't mean you're desperate per se. It's just like, hey, I'm trying to connect with you. Let's mm -hmm. have yeah. a partnership here, right? So I, I think it's a good is a good approach for folks to do. Now I have a question specific to the resume itself. Yeah. So okay. I've heard like 85 different things about how to build your resume, how to curate yeah. it, whatever. So I'm really curious to get your perspective. If if we're creating a really strong, short, concise resume, then what's story that we need to get across? Is it being specific to a job? Is it showcasing different skills? Is it a writing assessment of some kind? Like what, you know, if I have my current job and then two or three bullets underneath it, like what am I supposed to be conveying if there's not, if we're not recommending some sort of customization for each role that I'd be applying to? Uh, cost, customization for each role is not a bad thing if you have the time to do it. Mm -hmm. okay. um, but the reality is you would most likely apply to 10, 15, 20 roles before you get a response, right? Mm -hmm. That's where the, the heavy lift comes in. So I, I, it's fine to customize. Uh, I don't really have like a, a list of do's and, and don'ts sure. per se resume because I don't really like rules. I just believe in uh, telling your story in the best possible light and, yeah. and showing that the message you're sending across is received as intended. I love that you said that there's really no do's and don'ts of resume writing because I think I've already seen this in the short time that we've been together on this call is that I think that pulls in the the fact of like empathy and being able to understand what somebody's trying to accomplish or what story they're trying to tell and not trying to fit somebody in a box. I think about that um, from so many different parts of being in the corporate world, right? Of like, if you're a leader, you don't need to follow this specific way to lead. Like you can find your own personal style. And it sounds like that holds true too from writing your resume and how you go to market and when you're looking for a new job. Yeah, I think that definitely holds true. Um, fun, fun fact, I've hired, actually hired someone who had a PowerPoint presentation, one page PowerPoint presentation and five bullet points. Wow. As, wow. As like, literally, oh. For what just, role? Could you share like what yeah. role? Yeah, so this is, this is for a computer vision architect role. Oh, so it's a wow. pretty, pretty yeah. you know, 
specialized role. And the role was open for about eight months before we actually found this guy who hired. Wow. Okay. Um, really, really short resume, speaks to the heart of it. I can do this, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, full stop. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Okay. Now I'm not saying if yeah. you if you do that approach for other jobs, you're gonna, you know, get hired. <laughs> but how do you stand out? You wanna mm -hmm. be weird, go for it. This person was simple and nailed it completely. I, I saw the resume, I reached out, we had a conversation, you know, sounded like a very good person, interviewed, got a job right away. Okay. Um, that's awesome. And that's a great suggestion. So I, I recently went back into sales recently now it's been a few months but um the exercise that i had to do was like a one pager sell myself like what why should you hire me and so i listed all of these reasons and it was very specific it got to the heart of it and it was visually kind of appealing versus a resume which you know obviously they had my resume but i think if i took some lessons from that one pager it was a really mm -hmm. good exercise in in how i would communicate why me which is essentially, if, if what I'm hearing is correct, that's that's really what your resume should also be able to communicate. So I think sometimes looking at a sheet of paper and saying, how am I going to use this sheet of paper to tell a random person in an office somewhere why they should hire me or at least talk to me, if you put less pressure on it and it's more of a way to express who you are, not just in your job, but why you, why the skills that you bring you know, et cetera, I think it, it makes a big difference. So that's, that's really, that's an interesting way to look yeah. at it. Yeah, I 100% I agree. And that's one, one other thing I, I like to call out about, you know, resume. Sometimes people try to be very broad in the resume. Mm -hmm. you, you see someone who has worked at Starbucks, has been um, a, a secretary, has been a uh, housekeeper somewhere so a mixture of things has been a professor as you know you've done so many things the challenge with listing all of those things is that it what's what is down your experience in each mm -hmm. of those things right so if we're looking for someone who has you know 10 years experience as a, an engineering manager and you have 10 years experience doing so many things it really waters down your your your, your experience more so it also waters it down if you talk too much about the things that are not relevant, okay? Mm -hmm. We focus more on the most relevant roles, leave maybe one or two bullet points in the, in the roles that are not relevant just for completeness of your, your you know, experience overall. I think it really helps. Uh, so excited about their first job out of college, their second job out of college, and spend the bulk of time talking about them, and that was 12 years ago. You know, no yeah. one really <laughs> want to hear about them as much. They want to know what are you able to offer now. Mm -hmm. more um, in the past. So I would say tell your most important story that it's most relevant to the role uh, in as simple and short, concise form as possible. That, that will be mm -hmm. my um, you know, guide, guidance. I know we said there's no do's and don'ts, but <laughs> I, I am curious though. So I'm, so, I'm a candidate. I was able to get the attention of a recruiter on LinkedIn. I send them my resume or they go look at it. Is there like something that would be on the resume that, and I know every recruiter is different and hiring manager, but like, is there some things that are like universal where they may be like, mm, maybe not like grammatical errors, things like that, that you really want to try to avoid or is there nothing universal there? 
Oh yeah, grammatical error definitely. You know. <laughs> Avoid them if you can. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, some people English is not their first language, right? I have yeah. read resumes with you know what I would call severe grammatical errors. Um, but I understand, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's, it's not your language. It's you yeah. probably just moved to the U.S. like mm -hmm. two, two, you know, two months ago, three months ago. That's fine. And some people use text converters to convert their lang their, their resume yeah. to English. Um, so, uh, in, particularly yeah. in the text space, people are very forgiving about that. Mm -hmm. But if, if your background demonstrates that uh, you should be able to avoid this kind of you know grammatical errors, then you really want to avoid it because then if it's a role that requires good communication and you're talking to mm -hmm. vendors and customers in written form and even oral form then you really want to ensure you avoid those very basic errors mm -hmm. um, so that definitely is is a, a, a don't do okay <laughs> if you can avoid it um what else can i think of um, what about formatting this is something I always get stuck on because I'm a very visual person. I feel like this is like resume therapy right now. So thank you so much <laughs> for holding the space. But with um, with a resume, is there a specific format that you think every resume should have? Or should it also be a reflection of how this person might think, the way they are a little bit more creative with their presentation style? Like, is there flexibility in... And I guess you've already answered my question because one person gave you one slide with five bullets. So there, there isn't a, I guess a, a, um, a hard and fast rule on that. But is, do you typically see a lot of resumes in the same style? Yeah, um, there is kind of a norm that a lot of resumes would follow. Sometimes mm -hmm. people just pick up resume. They go, you know, quick search on Google yeah. resumes and the first few. You know, results that come up, that's typically what you see a lot, but that's not like the do or die type of resume mm -hmm. format. You can really uh, format your resume however you want. Is it easy? You know, earlier on I said, does a resume tell your story in a very mm -hmm. simple way that someone gets the message you intend to send? If the answer is yes, then it's fine. You can give the resume to, you know, a brother, see a sister, and say, hey, check this resume. Give me your first impression of that resume. Mm -hmm. If your first impression is really what you intend to send, I think that is a good resume already. Uh, I, I, I don't think you need someone to really write it for you, per se, or format it for you. Um, if you need the extra help, great. But I think you, you really can do it uh, once mm -hmm. you get that very high-level feedback. Uh, and, and for Resumes et al., uh, which I, I lead, it's not really a writing service, more like a review service. We do like the, you know, first gut reaction. Does it tell mm -hmm. your story? And I'll, we start off with a question like, tell me what you want to tell me. All right. And I'll give you my first impression of the of the resume. If it doesn't align, then we need to fix it. If it aligns, mm -hmm. you have a good resume. Let's move on. Kind of. As yeah. simple as that. Yeah. That's great. I'm really curious, Apoda. Um, these days, there are so many applicants for a single role that organizations have begun to use um, technology to sort of filter out and, and mm. surface the ones that they feel are more relevant, right, to save time on the whole filtering process. So it's not always going to be a human being on the other end of the, the, the review process. Uh, what advice do you have for applying to roles in organizations who do use these tools um, are, are there specific things that they, they tend to look out for? Do they do like keyword matching based on the job description? Like, I'm very curious how those work. Yeah. So keyword matching has been the longest 
um, way people um, like ATSs work. It's if we have C++ on the resume, then mm -hmm. great. Is, is there C++ on the job description? If the answer is yes, you get like a point. Right. Like the more you match, the better for you. Um, that was the original. And then afterwards, they changed it. Because some people, what they would do is they'll copy the entire job description, paste it into their resume, shrink the text really small, and color it white. Yeah. So you really <gasps> Right. But the I've ATS, heard of this. The I saw that on TikTok, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um that is right now some ATS will flag that as like a hundred percent something funny going on here. Yeah. Um, that's like second level trying to beat the system. But you know, if you do it right, you should have a decent score that brings you to the top of the list. And then now, ATS is like even smarter where they have AI you know, mm -hmm. embedded into it that the AI can read for context and, and match the resume to wow. the job description. Um, so that even the, the, root, the root search is still keywords, but it goes beyond keywords to, to look out for contextual meaning on the resume. Um, wow. so there, there is no hard or fast way to beat it because the system is getting smarter. Um, if you go to keyword route, it definitely helps. Um, but, some companies just use a little more advanced method. Um, big companies, most of them don't even use those systems that have their internal built tool where someone will actually read every single application that comes through and make a decision on whether to accept or not. Wow. <laughs> that, that's got to be a tough job for these bigger companies, considering the stats you've given. If it's like 30 million per year, that's million, a million. lot of, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, million. <laughs> Yeah. That's a lot of so yeah, that's a lot of resumes to look at. Correct. So Incredible. if we if we get to the next step, we get an interview. I'm curious from your perspective, being in this space is if you're a candidate, what's the better understanding? I think you might have touched on this a little bit already, but like what's the best way to get a better understanding of the company you are interviewing with and decide if it's the right fit? We, <laughs> the best way yeah. is to find someone who no longer works there to give you that. Oh. <laughs> right? They'll give you a very unadulterated, you know, take on the company, right? But there is a caveat though, right? The, yeah. the, the caveat there is that everyone's experience is different. All right. If you yeah. go on, if you go online, you see people who talk really bad about the experience at, at Google. That could be very well deserved. Um, if you, you also see people who talk very positively about Google, so there is uh, almost a, I'd say, it's almost a divide, right, between the experiences. Mm -hmm. yeah. The more you get, the more info you get, the better you're informed about, you know, what does it feel like really working in the company. So I will start by finding someone who doesn't, who no longer works there, and just hear from them, right? That's a good way to look at it. And the second way I would say is. Ask, ask direct questions. Mm. Um, you can ask your recruiter, hey, why do you still work here? Mm. <laughs> okay. It, it's very direct. It's almost off-putting. Someone has asked me that. And that's why I was like, hmm, that's a smart question for you. I'm trying to get you to work for my company. And you're asking me, yeah. why do I still work here? It's um, a way to screen, screen, screen out um, companies. So as, as long as you remember that the interview process is just a screening process for you against mm -hmm. the company as it is for the company for you. Yeah. you know, I don't know how, if I said that correctly, but you get 
It's yeah. a two-way street. Um, yeah, it, it, totally. it's both ways, right? So, ask the right questions. A recruiter would probably be taken off guard by that question, and it will give you that first very genuine um, response on why they work there. Um, for me, my, my example, I'd, I just left Google to to work elsewhere, and the person asked me, "Why did you leave Google?" It was like a very interesting question and I was able to answer and I gave reasons. Google is a very awesome company in my, my experience, but uh, there are other reasons why people leave. You look for more scope, you're looking for you know something to challenge you more. Uh, so there's right. a ton of reasons why. And then um, the, the other option I'll say if you want to really learn about the company is ask your recruiter that you want to tell your recruiter you want to talk to a peer on the team mm -hmm. that you're going Right now, not a manager, because a manager's job is to paint the company in the best possible light, right? Yeah. People would mostly, most likely do that, but um, more open to be transparent. They won't give you the corporate speak as much as a manager, <laughs> right? Because uh, mm -hmm. real stuff, take out the fluff and just get to you know, the heart of it. And when you talk to a peer, you may want to ask very direct questions as well. You know, like, why do you still work here? <laughs> that I just don't, <laughs> you know, what's magic for me? <laughs> um, and you also, if you want to learn about the manager's style, you, you can ask questions about, oh, instead of saying, how does this manager work or what's their approach? Maybe you could ask it indirectly, like, um, tell me about the best manager you've had before in your career. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then go on to talk about the manager and, you know, you can ask questions like, you know, what kind of support do you wish you had in this company that you're not getting right Ooh. now, right? Ooh, so there are questions that go beyond the surface of tell me why you like the company to tell me why you don't like the company sort of indirectly. Uh, so I think questions like this, uh, when you get feedback from a variety of people would help you see all of the cards on the table and you make the decision if this company is is right for you or if it's not um tiktok is also another one <laughs> but you know wait uh, tiktok how TikTok, yeah because a lot of people post their experience on tiktok right yeah um, wow. i wouldn't really recommend that but it's something you, could, <laughs> you know high level take hey my company gave me 40 days off every day. you know you yeah. can learn about the company there Oh, but some of it is a little uh, exaggerated. So just good for entertainment for the most part. That's so funny. It's like that's the world we live in now where people don't go to Glassdoor, they go to TikTok now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the format's better. TikTok is great. Yeah. Totally. Correct. <laughs> Love the talk. I'm really curious when, when you're in the process of kind of interviewing someone or screening them to send them on to the next interview, um, is – it's sometimes hard to describe the special sauce somebody can bring to the table, but for those those candidates that you're like, oh, I really think this is going to be a good fit, or oh, we would be so lucky to like have them at our organization. What about them, I guess, shines through, or, or what do you typically see? And you're like, this is a really good fit. Is it a fit for the company? Is it somebody who's a hard worker? Somebody who thinks outside the box? Like, or I guess, does it depend on the role? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think everything depends on the role, but some things are general. Mm -hmm. And I think problem-solving skill is is very, it's very, very important. If you're able to paint yourself as a problem solver, mm -hmm. it's very good for, for roles or companies that are still early in their beginning and they want someone who can, you know, 
get a problem, figure it out and get it get it done. Right. So if you're if you're writing your resumes and you're talking about the things you've been able to accomplish and the results you've achieved from you know activities you you you, you, you performed, I think that's a great thing. But you also want to bake complexity of of what you were able to overcome. All right, to to get there. Um, something as simple as uh, let's say you work at Starbucks. I, I make coffee. You know, it's very simple, right? But mm-hmm. it, I, I don't think it really shows a complexity. But if you tailor it, like you know, I, I I'm an expert in selecting different milk and matching different ingredients to produce coffee and have achieved customer satisfaction of over a hundred percent. It shows the the route you've taken to achieve success besides just being very short and mm-hmm. because then there's no real I, I can't gauge the complexity of experience you bring to the table if what I know at a high level of you know what everyone yeah. right um, so if you're able to bake in complexity I think that's a good a good way to to stand out from the park it also sounds a little bit like storytelling if you're able to really add in more to scriptures kind of take the the interviewer on a journey with you a little bit, then you're more easily remembered. It's showing your ability to speak and and keep, you know, bring people along with you. It's that's really interesting perspective. And so we had a podcast episode before um, where we talked about like negotiating. Um, and we had a conversation about how well, the experience of this person was that guys will never take the first offer, whereas um, women, if it's a fair offer, especially like, or if it matches like what they were looking for, like they will, like, they will accept it, right? And I wondered if you had a perspective on a. So, from the recruiting standpoint, um, is there always room? Like, is 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 there always room from the first offer? Like, that's what I'm really curious to know. And then B, like, have you also seen something similar? Like, what's the best way to like really come back and ask for more and sort of make that case for yourself? Hmm. I, I'll start off by saying everything is negotiable. <laughs> okay, <laughs> everything, and, and you should always at least attempt to negotiate. Now, uh, recruiters approach negotiation differently. Some people don't want to beat around the bush. They just give you the best possible offer and tell you that, hey, that's the best I have. Um, very few people do that, though. Um, if, you, if you think it's a good offer, then I think it's good to accept it. But always try to ask for more. Um, because I think there's always more where that came from, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> okay. uh, you're coming about you know, women versus men and how they negotiate. Um, I've heard that quite a lot, but in my experience, and this is like my, my experience is a very small sample size. I think it's been the opposite for me, where yeah. I've struggled the most to negotiate with women than I have with men. <laughs> Really? Like, like, yeah, I actually had this candidate a while back that was like, hey, I'm not going to accept this. She even brought her husband on the call to say, we have to negotiate this, <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, really, really oh. tough negotiator. And that's been my experience. Um, but I, I think it's it, the, the the idea that women don't negotiate in the broader scheme of things is it's, it's very true, where it's like, hey, I'm glad I got this job and I'm just going to accept it and move on. 
Uh, and but I think that is changing also depending on the industry, depending on you know who is speaking. I'm talking mostly from tech, where you know, every, everyone's expected to somewhat sort of negotiate and it's it's very acceptable in, in the federal service. You know, you can't do any negotiation, it's take it or leave it from the get-go. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so that's that experience. People, you know, just try and negotiate, always ask for more if you can. Um the best way to phrase it is in some states, it's illegal to ask a candidate what their current competition mm -hmm. is. Um, so most companies have ha have taken a more universal approach to it, where they just ask you what's your expectation. And whenever a recruiter asks you what's your salary expectation, it's an open check. It's a, it's an open check rather for you to um, ask for whatever you want. Okay, yeah. <laughs> if you ask me you know, what's your expectation, I'll tell you a million dollars. Go for it. Um, always don't, don't, don't be scared to ask for lower. I've seen people really sh short sell themselves just because yeah. they're scared. Don't be afraid. There are different resources online. Look at levels of FYI. Look at pay scale. Look at what the market is offering in your location. And then I would say ask for 20% more than what you see there. All right. Mm. Just, just sort of sets the, the conversation. Is 20%? it 20%? Yeah. yeah. 20%, yes. More That's than great. what you see. Yeah. Is it worth not like putting the question back on the recruiter as well? Or do you think it's always good to just to state your own expectations? I think it's good to state your own expectation. But uh -huh. if you ask the recruiter, hey, what, what is the role offering? They'll tell you honestly what the role is offering. Yeah. Or you would expect that they won't tell you the full range, except it's now mm -hmm. legal legally required for them to do so. I think in New York, that's a movement around that. I could make it compulsory to, to share the full range, but historically, okay. recruiters will not share the full range. They will show you know, what the typical range is, but with okay. negotiation, you can most likely go beyond that. This is so inspiring to like I get know. out there and negotiate for ourselves. Well, a part of this has been certainly really really informative and I've certain I've enjoyed our conversation and I'm I'm excited to kind of think differently about this process if and when I'm I'm in the position to do so. Um if people were wanting to connect with you and talk a little bit more about resumes, where can they find you and how can they connect? Um you can find me on LinkedIn, uh just a porter. I think there are very few porters there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so it's there. And then uh, if they want any of the service that uh, we offer, uh, you can reach out on resumes at um, That It's uh, an option to book, book time there if you like. Awesome. That's fantastic. And listeners will have uh, both of those links in the um, in the magic ingredients. So check it out there for more. And uh, just to recap a couple of the top things kind of we heard on this this episode today, um, and I will certainly be taking with me moving forward is the value of storytelling and being able mm -hmm. to have your resume and your interview and conversation really match up and reflect the best that you bring to the table, show how you can solve problems. And really, like we've talked about before, support yourself and be your best advocate when it comes to negotiations and getting the the money that you feel that you deserve in a, in a role and an opportunity. Um, so Pada, thank you so much for sharing all of this insight with us. I'm really excited to, to reflect back on this conversation and, and certainly listen to it again. I feel like there was so much good information here. Um, so thank you. It was really a pleasure having you on the podcast tonight. Yeah. Thank you. You've lived up to your name, which we now know me 
we now yes. know means a wise one. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Amanda, Katie, and Shan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to EW, also known as Empaths at Work. We want you to engage in the conversation. Leave us a voice message by clicking on the link in the episode description. Now for the fine print. The opinions expressed in these podcasts are our personal opinions and don't necessarily reflect the views of any companies we are associated with as working women. That's all.